welcome to this special series for hashtag proud to be GIM week, brought to you by the Day Shift Podcast, the American College of Physicians, and the Society of General Internal Medicine. This series is sponsored by a Proud to be GIM grant from the Society of General Internal Medicine and features voices from guests in ACP chapter regions throughout the country. In this series, we will revisit important topics from our first seasons that highlight our values and why we are proud to be GIM. The mission of the day shift is to shift the way we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the medical field. I want to welcome back Dr. Jasmine Smith, who, as you recall, was our wonderful guest from the Hidden Curriculum podcast episode. She is a MedPeds hospitalist at the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, an assistant professor, a clinician educator, and a recent lifestyle medicine diplomat amongst her other roles and responsibilities. Jasmine, welcome back. How have you been? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me back. I'm excited for this podcast series and to speak with all of you once again. And we're so lucky to have you back too. I wanted to just bring up some questions that came up around this topic of the hidden curriculum. In your episode, there were some difficult realizations about the educational culture for medical students and residents. How did that impact your choice to pursue internal medicine? Thank you for asking that question. As I reflected on that episode, there were a lot of discussions about understanding the hidden curriculum that exists within medicine. And those topics, items related to professionalism, the way you present yourself, assertiveness, confidence in your everyday walk as a clinician that were skills that seemed to come easily to some students or trainees compared to others. And a lot of that was related to what appeared to be access to information. One way that I think about the hidden curriculum is understanding a different language that exists in medicine. So there's one language that we learn about related to how we discuss diseases, discuss research articles and things of that nature. And there's another component of the language that focuses on nonverbal communication and verbal cues that demonstrate your confidence in your role as a clinician and honestly as a clinician educator. I chose internal medicine because internal medicine is a field where you have to learn the language of not only your field, but of all of the other fields in medicine. Because oftentimes internists are the conduit for other subspecialties and provide insight and make the connections uh, to our subspecialty and other specialty colleagues. As I reflected on the hidden curriculum, I realized I chose internal medicine and pediatrics because I wanted to further develop my language and I wanted to be able to develop myself as a competent clinician that was well-versed in a variety of disease states and the complications of those disease states and really develop my ability to communicate as a competent clinician to colleagues in multiple fields, not just within my own. 
So I really do believe that internal medicine is uniquely positioned to help develop those skills that I referenced in the uh, Hidden Curriculum podcast. You're forced to develop those skills because you communication is one of the major components of our field. We have to understand and communicate what our patients are sharing to formulate care plans and other things and also have to take the information we're gathering to identify when another subspecialty or a specialty colleague is needed to be involved in the patient's care and communicate confidently um, to those colleagues. That is such a powerful response. And what I'm hearing from you is that even though the hidden curriculum can be viewed negatively with some of the vignettes that you shared during that podcast, truly there are some positive portions of that curriculum that you have taken to create, like you said, this career that helps you be in the middle of communicating to specialists and caring for the patient. And I want to just highlight the ACP's policy paper that you also referenced in the podcast. And this is from 2018. And that's what they mentioned. They said the positive elements of this hidden curriculum really need to be force functioned into the overall curriculum, hitting on some of the things, including empathy, reflection and discussion about positive and negative behaviors in training environment, and respect for colleagues, just to name a few. So you've mentioned that internists and pediatricians are uniquely positioned to do this work. I'd love to know, as an attending now, how have you seen this hidden curriculum evolve amongst the students, the trainees, and even your colleagues that you work with day in and day out? So that's definitely an inter- interesting question. I have two responses. In some ways, I've seen things evolve for the better, namely because I think many people are acknowledging this hidden curriculum and are intentionally um, using mentorship as a way to spread this curriculum amongst trainees. But not every mentor or not every program is intentional with it. And so I think there are also ways where I've seen there almost be a regression in those spaces where this isn't acknowledged. And I I see some of the same things that I went through and sometimes even worse, where a behavior or a characteristic of a trainee is not viewed favorably and there isn't a mentor or a program or just an interested party in place to help course correct. So where it's being acknowledged, I see evolution in a positive manner where you see trainees coming out stronger, being even more prepared for the profession that they're entering, having more confidence in their clinical skills while realizing that there's still much to learn. In those spaces where this is not being acknowledged, there's almost a regression where things are even more detrimental for trainees who are not, in essence, called out, pulled aside, or paired with strong mentors who can help course correct. And this is really important. It's not just about these one-off instances. This is about how this person will be viewed as a professional for the rest of their career. And I believe as clinician educators, it is our role to really call out things that we see and provide resources and guidance 
to set people up for success. That's a tagline that I use with patients and families. My role is to set you up for success. I'm a hospitalist, so I set people for, up for success as they transition to the outpatient setting. And I know that's a tough job, being an outpatient clinician, hats off to all of you. I did it very briefly, but in the same way, we need to set up the trainees um, that we work with for success as well. And I still see folks struggling with feedback especially difficult feedback. I see people struggling to point things out and to offer suggestions for improvement. And I think sometimes we worry that what we're sharing isn't coming from an objective space. And I understand that. And I understand that's why we have an evaluation system to try to remove subjectivity. But the fact of the matter is that the way you are viewed by your colleagues, by patients, wherever you work, sometimes that does have a subjective lens. So even if what you are seeing, if you're worried about a degree of subjectivity, there is a way to deliver feedback in a manner that's not making a value judgment on a person, but just offering alternates and just offering suggestions about how someone may be coming across and learning if that's actually their intention and offering suggestions for how they could course correct to actually demonstrate what they are trying to give off or model, the professionalism that they're trying to model. I think in my mind when I'm hearing you talk about this is really the social and emotional development of our med students and trainees. Because when we start in med school, we do the patient perspective to really I think, try to gain some of that empathy and understand that these are human beings that we're treating and not conditions. But it does sound like we can go beyond that to start to incorporate just the things that you're saying, how to give difficult feedback, how to deal with conflict, how to ask more questions and make less assumptions. And that sounds like it really will translate not just to our colleagues, but also to our patients. Definitely. Think about... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, as you were saying that, I, I was like, I also think about how this is part of wellness, not just for our trainees, but for physicians in training. And you met, you reference conflict resolution. That's something that we will have to manage for the entirety of our career. Amongst each other, with patients, with family members. And we, we are in a very stress-inducing field. Medicine is. It's high stakes oftentimes unpredictable. And it's important that we learn early how to navigate those spaces and how to demonstrate professionalism at all times. Absolutely. This is such a wonderful discussion to have with a, a colleague who's on the front lines. And I hear you. It, it, we have this different perspective because I'm an outpatient physician and I love it. Same thing. <laughs> I did inpatient for a little bit. Hats off to you. Hats off to you. <laughs> We love the things that we do and we're uniquely positioned and just going back to being an internist, it's really wonderful to care for the entire patient as a relationship through either their life or through episodes of illness that may be acute and, and critical. Any final words you want to impart to our guests before we start to wrap up here? I do. If you are a trainee, actively seek out feedback, be very observant, always read the room. Look at what some of your colleagues are doing well 
and incorporate those things into your practice because a lot of training is really developing how you practice medicine. You'll see a lot of examples before you, your senior residents, your attendings that you work with. And I remember as I went through my training, I would just pick up pieces from people that I interacted with and say, I really like how they do that. And I like how they phrase that. And I want to emulate the confidence that they have when they are delivering a presentation. Observe, gather feedback, and just put your best foot forward at all times. And I think that's something to be said for the entirety of our careers. And I would say for faculty members, attending physicians, anyone who's serving in a mentorship role or someone who another person would view as a role model, it's really important that we provide helpful feedback and provide suggestions to help someone course correct when there's a way that they could be presenting or operating differently that would yield better results and not to be afraid to provide feedback that is challenging or difficult because it's our roles as educator. And honestly, it's our roles as lifelong learners to give and receive feedback. I'm going to add a little bit to your statement you said earlier, assume the best and set them up for success. Yes. I just want to thank everyone for joining us, especially Dr. Jasmine Smith again today on our episode. The conversation continues on Twitter with the hashtag proud to be GIM and at the day shift. We'd love to see you there as you share why you are proud to be GIM. The Day Shift podcast and its guests provide general information and entertainment, but not medical advice. Before making any changes to your medical treatment or execution of your treatment plan, please consult with your doctor or personal medical team. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by The Day Shift. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by the Day Shift team are those of each individual and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Day Shift team and its guests, employers, sponsors, or organizations we are affiliated with. The Day Shift podcast is proudly sponsored by the American College of Physicians, Southern California Region 3 chapter. Our theme music is brought to you by Chris Dingman. Learn more at www.chrisdingman.com.